welcome to church in jesus name um last week we started a topic on spiritual health part one and today we are going to do part two and hopefully finish it today uh we looked at the story of the fig tree looked at how it was a parable for the spiritual health of the nation we looked at the fact that it was the spiritual aspect of that physical act that the Lord performed. And then this morning we are going to take it a a step further. Because then the disciples came. If you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21 that we have been reading. Should we do Matthew or should we do Mark? Okay. Matthew um, 21. From verse 20. This is why we are doing the rest of it. It says, And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and do and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which has been done to the fig tree, but also you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer believing ye shall receive whatsoever you ask in prayer believing you will receive mark chapter 11 we see the same story Verse 21 says, And Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whatsoever shall say, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe those things which he said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Verse 25. And when ye stand praying, He didn't say, if you stand praying. He said, when you stand praying, forgive, if ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will the Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So one of the things that the Lord Jesus did when he was explaining what had happened was that he connected it to a number of things 
He connected it to faith. He connected it to believing. And then he connected it with prayer. So we can start to look. The topic today is spiritual health, but it is fruitfulness and prayer. There is a direct link between being fruitful and being prayerful. We saw last week that when God was giving that parable to Ezekiah of the lump of figs for his healing, it was as a consequence of Ezekiah praying. And then we also saw that when the Lord was speaking of the fig tree, it was not only, it wasn't just saying, it was praying. And sometimes we don't pray like we ought because we don't have a good understanding of what of what prayer is of what prayer means because if you don't know what something really is then it becomes a bit challenging to engage with that thing or in that thing in the right way that is why every gadget you buy comes with an instruction manual is that true it doesn't matter that you've used some of you have used 15 phones in your in your short life yet when you still go and buy a new phone it's still going to come with a manual whether the manual is paper or the manual is inside the phone itself you know you've seen some phones like that that the manual is actually inside the phone they expect that at this point in your short life you should know at least how to switch on the phone you understand? So there are some basics that are, that are expected of you. And they are like, okay, now if you want to do maybe a few complicated things, here is the manual. You understand? So if you do, if there is no manual, imagine if airplanes didn't come with training manuals. Imagine if a bomber jet didn't come with training manuals. Imagine if a nuclear reactor didn't come with manual, with training, with a manual. So there's an understanding that you have that allows you to be able to interact with that thing safely and not just safely, efficiently so that you can maximize the potential of that thing. That is why we are looking at prayer today. And I'm going to start by actually defining the word prayer. (sighs) What does prayer mean? You know, prayer actually shares... Prayer is from... I'm not going to bug you with the Greek. But prayer is actually from the root word where we also get the word prosecute. You've heard prosecution before. You've heard prosecute before. It's the same root word from which we get the word prayer. And when you hear prosecution, do you think of prayer? So you start to see that we don't associate the two. You think of prayer, you are thinking of talking to God. But the word prayer and the word prosecution are actually the same word. But when you are prosecuting, have you heard of law courts and they say, I pray you, my Lord? You start to understand. So when you pray, you are not just, when you pray, you are not just praying in the sense of, yes, you are talking to God. But the 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 whole act of prayer involves a lot more than say i'm talking to god praying which is prosecution 
is it simply means when you prosecute something, it means that you see that thing to the end. Prosecu- you know when, when they say the prosecution has charged somebody to court, they are going to... Uh, do you, have you seen prosecution just give up? They keep going until the judge re- reaches a verdict. So when you say you're prosecuting something, it is that you are of the intention of seeing that thing to the end. That already tells you that when you pray, asking, you that's why the Lord Jesus said, ask until your joy is full. Okay. To also to prosecute, so so yeah, like I said, it means that your prayer is not finished until there is some sort of evidence of a feedback of a response. Sometimes the evidence, many, many times, the evidence is in your heart before you see the physical manifestation of what you're asking for. How did Jesus know that the thing he said to the fig tree, which is prayer in a sense, I will still get there. How did he know that it was going to happen? It was because there was the evidence of what he said in his spirit. Okay? To prosecute, which is the other... (coughs) To prosecute also means to conduct legal proceedings. That's the definition that most people are used to. To to conduct legal proceedings. But what it means is that what we are basically saying is that if prayer means to see something to the end, it means that there are certain things that you do. There are different ways of seeing something to the end. For example... There are, there are words in the Bible that the Lord said, Worship me. So instead of going to battle, Jehoshaphat, they went worshiping. And while they worshiped, God discomfited their enemies. And when the battle finished, they went to pack the spoils. They saw that matter to the end. But the way they got there was through worship. Another way to do that. So when you are seeing a matter to the end, you you entreat. Sometimes you pray to God and you are entreating God like, Lord, have mercy on this person. Sometimes you exhort. Sometimes you ask. Sometimes you supplicate. That's why when they do prayer or different kinds of prayer, they say prayer of entreating, prayer of supplication, prayer. Of, sometimes you do. Sometimes it is supplication. But there are times where you command. You don't command God. You command situations. You command storms. You command demons. What you are still doing is that that matter you have gotten on, you are trying to see it to the expected end. But then you command in some situations. In some situations, you declare. That's why many of you, when you pray, you say, I declare and I declare. You are praying, but what you are doing is that you are you are declaring the word of God as touching that matter. And there are times where you insist. Sometimes you are doing deliverance as the demon is saying, "No, I'm not going," and you are, and you laugh and be like, "My friend, you are going." You understand? I insist. You pack your bags and get out. So there are times like that because it's not because the demon would know thinks it can stay. It's because that demon is trying to test your resolve of what you think you know. You that you are saying get out. Uh, what is your own standing? So the demon says I will slap your face like you and who. If you panic, 
because fear spiritual things are in 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 different forms fear is like a stench in the spirit so if you start if you are confronting a demon and you become afraid the demon can tell and can press under your fear to defeat you that you think you are the deliverance minister so the person that is doing deliverance ends up being the one we have to deliver so many things sin is like a stench and all those things it is in the physical that we cannot tell who is doing what it's in the in the spirit nothing is hidden nothing satan can see if you have his property he knows hallelujah so prayer praying is is because at the end of the day the end of your prosecution the end of your prayer is that there's a particular fruit that you're expecting so there's a connection between fruitfulness and praying you know uh if you think of pizza how many of you enjoy pizza i do if you think of pizza you think of um your prayer as the base and all those other things that the lord jesus was mentioning um, faith um believing not wavering all those things you can think of them as the toppings or the flavor and all of that how many of you eat pineapple pizza good we can't be friends <laughs> i'm just joking <laughs> hallelujah so true scriptural prayer is 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 like that that's why the lord was mentioning faith believing and all those things but the question i've come to with this morning you know we, we if you keep in the context of fruitfulness because that's where the fig tree got into trouble if you keep it in mind then the question becomes what is fruitfulness to god what is fruitfulness to you john fifteen sixteen. Ye have chosen, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Notice fruit here is in singular, is singular, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Many times as believers, we don't understand that there are things that qualify us to stand before God to start making demands. The first thing that ever qualifies you to stand before God to make demands is the blood of Jesus. It is the righteousness of Jesus that has been imputed unto you. It is the fact that you are saved and blood washed that makes that's the first basis upon which you can stand before God and start making demands. The only prayer, the only prayer that a sinner prays and God hears is, "Lord, have mercy on me." You understand? That's the only prayer a sinner can pray, and God would, okay. I'm, I'm listening have mercy upon me save my soul that's the, that's why the first thing they do is make you do the sinner's prayer but it's not everybody that does the sinner's prayer that is actually saved have you seen people step out to be saved and they are chewing gum and they are laughing you think that person got born again <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah 
So like the fig tree, Jesus was saying in that John 15 that you should bear fruit. He says, and that whatsoever you shall ask. So there is a precursor to your asking. And it is what? Bearing fruit. So you understand? So that's why I said there are things that qualify us to make demands. When you see people that have been praying in church and praying and praying and it looks like God is not listening or God is not hearing or you've been praying for someone for years and it looks like nothing is happening in their life, their fruitlessness is part of the re- might be part of the reason why they are asking and they are not receiving because the Lord connects fruitfulness to asking fruitfulness to asking so many times as believers we say uh glory let your glory come let your glory do this that glory you're asking for what is it supposed to come and shield the glory of god you're asking for what is it supposed to come and cover because when Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves, they found underneath the fig leaf what was there? Nakedness. When the fig tree, when the fig tree covered itself with itself with leaves and the Lord Jesus Christ got there and formed barrenness, what happened? The fig tree got judged. What happened to Adam and Eve? They got judged. So if if we are if we're asking for the glory. But there's nothing for the glory to come and rest upon. Then the glory is not going to come. People can pray. So when you see that, uh, is is as children we we yes we go to God for certain things. But many times those things are con- many things about God they are conditional. They are conditional. It doesn't mean that we'll get there. But just know that many things about God are conditional. Even the salvation of your soul. You know how salvation works? Jesus came, wrote the blank check, signed it, and the the check says you are free to go. You are no more guilty of your sin. How many people did Jesus die for? How many people did Jesus die for? Jesus died for the whole world, yes or no? Why is the whole world not saved? He died for everybody, didn't he? But why is the whole world not saved? For different reasons. But the point is, it doesn't matter that he died for them. That alone tells us that the fact that God has put it there doesn't necessarily make it automatic. Many, many things about God are not automatic. You have to press in. You have to ask. You have to knock. You have to seek. Not everything about God is automatic. Hallelujah. So when the glory comes, is it supposed to find what is it supposed to find and protect in your life? Because God's glory doesn't hide things. One of the most profound lessons the Lord taught me is the fact that sometimes He doesn't come to His house because if He comes to His house, the people that are asking for blessing are going to get beaten. It is beating people we catch sometimes if God comes. You notice that Jesus didn't go to the temple every time in those days. He went at specific times, but it wasn't like every Sunday and all of that. This particular day he went to the temple that we are reading, what did he end up doing? He ended up with a whip. You know that those money changers, that money they would have woken up and said, Ah, Lord, 
we are going to do business today let business boom you know that's what they would have done because because they were doing it in the temple maybe one of the reasons they were doing it in temple is because they were superstitious that oh this is the house of god blessings will be upon it many many of us do it the Israelites did it. They went to war and they were defeated and they decided let's go and carry the Ark of the Covenant. You remember? And then they carried the Ark of the Covenant and brought it to their midst. Did it save them? So the fact that one is the fact that one is in the vicinity of God does not necessarily mean you are safe. Safety is in relationship with God. Not that you are around God. Never forget that. Be, just being in the vicinity of the anointing is not necessarily safety. It could also spell danger. Because then the man stumbles at the anointing and the man is in trouble. Geazi was in the vicinity of the anointing. He didn't catch blessings. He caught leprosy for his entire generation. So just being around the anointing does nothing for you if you don't relate correctly with the anointing. That's why we can be in the presence of God and some people are receiving mighty things and some people are receiving nothing. Hallelujah. So one reason why sometimes our asking and our praying is not effective is the fact that our fruitfulness is questionable. Because our fruitfulness... What is fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is is the demonstration of our responsibility with what we have been given. That John 15, 16, again, says, You have not chosen me, I have chosen you. So think about it. The Lord chose us. The Lord ordained us and then declared that we should go and bring forth fruit and that our fruit should remain. And then he said, "Then whatsoever you shall ask." So, it's, so fruitfulness is is the responsibility we display with all that God has given us. The fig tree had resources because if it, if if the fig tree was starved of resources, it wouldn't have resources to make leaves, would it? Have you seen trees starved of resources? Do you find green, wonderful leaves on them? No, they are starving. So the fig tree had all the resources. Same with Adam and Eve that we looked at last week. They had everything they needed. They lacked nothing. So when with the resources and the, and the responsibilities the Lord has given us, when we do not relate, when we are not responsible with those things, when we are not fruitful with those things, then it becomes a challenge asking and receiving at a basic level yes there are basic provisions that are in the house by virtue of being children of god but if you want to do real business with god there will be a level of responsibility and fruitfulness that god demands of you let me let me define because there are many ways people look at fruitfulness let me show you one way galatians 5 Quickly, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5.22. I'm trying to take this in a way that we'll be able to follow step by step such that maybe even if you go and listen later, you would be able to still, you know, understand. Galatians 5.22. 
but the fruit you see again fruit is singular for the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law the first thing you must know is that there's nothing you can do in or for christ that will be outside of the fruit of the spirit note that there's nothing you can do for god there's nothing you can do in god in any way that will be outside of the fruit of the spirit and the other thing you must notice that this is where we also have challenge sometimes they are called the fruit of the spirit they are not called the fruit of israel or fruit of johnson of or or fruit of mary or fruit of joseph they are called the fruit of the spirit and the point i'm making is that we are not called to manufacture them we are called to manifest them we are not called to manufacture the fruit of the spirit your love for people must not be fake your joy must not be false we are not called to manufacture it we are called to manifest it there's a difference between manufacturing and manifestation when you are manufacturing you are trying to bring that thing to bear by your own effort when you are manifesting, you are just displaying what has been built up inside you. So the fruit of the Holy Ghost, we are able to manifest them because of the Holy Ghost inside of us. Manufacturing it is now trying to display the fruits of the Spirit without the Holy Ghost, who is actually the supplier of everything that calls for the expression of the fruit of the Spirit. So there is nothing called bearing the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit. And you know, that's why you should try. Instead of trying to, if you feel like, oh, I'm not a very loving person. The way to help, the way the world would help is to say, you should make, you should determine to love people. You should determine to but the scripture says that the love of God is shared abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So if you feel that I don't love people like I should, I'm not as loving as I should, I don't have as much faith as I should, instead of trying to now force the matter, you are supposed to now go to the Holy Ghost and rest in him and say, look, it is clear that all of these good qualities are impossible without you. Please help me. So it is from the place of rest where you are not trying to force, I'm going to love, let the Holy Ghost do the organic work in your spirit. You will find out yourself that you will just be more tolerant of people. You will be more accommodating of people. You yourself will be surprised. It is the day that something happens that that thing will normally annoy you and you just smile. That's the day you it will click in your own head that way though. I've changed though. Hey, you said this to me two years ago. You're, you are your father. You will both hear it. But you suddenly realize you are not that person anymore. That is the working of the Holy Ghost inside you. 
and it says fruit of the spirit and it starts to list nine things all of them are still displayed sets of the same fruit you remember Isaiah 11 where I was talking of the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of mind, the spirit of counsel. All of those things are still facets of the same. The tree of life gives different fruits different at every month. Fruits every month. It's still the same tree. That's why in the Old Testament you see the menorah, the lamp, seven candlesticks but the same base. That is the pointer to the Holy Ghost. It's still the same Holy Ghost, but the expression are in seven different ways. That's why it is a singular fruit of the Spirit. And this is this is a little exercise for us. You know, uh, anything we we'll do for God will be a combination of these expressions of the fruit of the Spirit. Anything you ever do for God, let's let's try it. So winning. Um, if you look at the fruits of the Spirit, which ones would you be displaying in soul winning? Love. Yes or no? Faith. Yes or no? What else? Gent- for some, yeah, for s- in some cases, gentleness will enter. In some cases, it is long-suffering. It is long-suffering that will allow you to keep praying and keep telling that person and you keep going. When they pour hot water on your head, you you wipe your face and still go and say, God, you must save this person. So you there is nothing we do in the house. We can call it whatever name we want. It will still be expressions of the fruit of the Spirit. Healing the sick. What fruit of the Spirit will be there? Faith. Somebody said faith, okay? Somebody said kindness. Somebody said goodness. Okay. Raising the dead. <laughs> Loving your neighbor. So you will see at least an ex- one expression of the fruit of the Spirit in anything we do for God. If, it, if, if you cannot find anything that looks like the fruit of the Spirit in anything you do as a child of God, there is a chance that thing you are doing is not of God. For example, we said loving your neighbor. Somebody said love. Good. So, okay. Somebody that now converts... <laughs> I was reading this. I was listening to scriptures recently. And I can't remember the passage now. But it was the way the you know the Bible is such a wonderful book. It says everybody wakes up in the morning and each man is neighing like a horse after his neighbor's wife. <laughs> and I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine you, you understand. So you you I'm, I'm just like how. <laughs> Everybody wakes up in the morning and their only concern is their neighbor's wife. <laughs> so it says, like a horse. You you've seen goats before. You imagine goats change. You, you understand? Like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody's neighing after their food and they are all busy neighing after their neighbor's wife. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you know, scriptures quite it's quite it's quite a powerful interest. The imagery sometimes like Lord have mercy. So there's nothing we do that will be outside of the fruits of the spirit. 
Uh, we know that there's a connection between fruitfulness and prayers. So you see why Jesus kept saying, pray, 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 pray. Because prayer, what prayer really is, there are two sides when we pray. There is prayer towards God. There is prayer to God concerning something. In fact, as I thought, so there is prayer towards God. There's pray, there's prayer in the sense of you are talking to God about something on earth, and then there's actual prayer where it basically is basically you speaking to something on earth or underneath the earth. Let me explain. Praying towards God will be when you are worshiping. You are praying. At that moment, there is no third party. It is just you and God. Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I exalt you. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. All of that is you to God. Sometimes, and then there is sometimes you to God, but it is concerning something. So you might say, oh Lord, um, I want... Like this, my this my fancy mug that I got. So I got the mug, and I I ch- I I want. I've been wanting a mug for a long time. So I finally saw this one on Amazon, and I saw the price, and I'm like, not a chance. I'm not paying for this. Thing. So I said, Lord, I want that mug, but I'm not paying. I'm not paying. No. Okay, you know what happened? Somebody messaged me and said. And they said, oh, can I have your account number? And then someone sent me money. And I said, Lord, they've sent me money, but I'm still not going to buy it with my money. Eventually, somebody decided, okay, I'm going to buy it for you. So somebody bought it for me, and the person got a discount. No, one person bought it, and the person said, I'm going to buy it for you as a Christmas gift. Like, you and who? Christmas is too far. Amazon Prime delivers next day. I want my mug tomorrow. So that person had to cancel. And then somebody else, the person had ordered it actually, and ordered it to another house. No, 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 no. So the person had to cancel. And somebody else now turned up and said, okay, I'm going to buy it for you and have it delivered to your house. So I got the mug and I did not pay. And I'm so happy. Hallelujah. That's my testimony. You can bring your own testimony next week. <laughs> you know? So, but basically, that was me talking to God. But it was about something heartly. It was something on the surface. But there are times where you actually don't need to first talk. There are times where God has given you the authority. And this is sometimes, this is something that God will help us to understand. That... There are times where the authority to do something is inherent by virtue of who you are in God. I'm a child of God. So you don't need God's permission to rebuke the devil. So that's the third layer. You, you, you don't need God. You, the devil cannot be harassing you. And you are looking at God and say, God, can I can I tell this demon to get out of here? God would not, God literally would not answer you. There is this story, this famous story of Kenneth E. again, speaking. The Lord Jesus appeared to him and was teaching him a few things. And then a demon came and stood in there in the middle of the two of them. So he's standing, Jesus is standing, the demon stood in the middle. And the demon was making noise and shouting and jumping and everything. And the Lord was talking as if nothing 
was happening. So Kenneke said he was looking at God and looking at the demon, and Jesus did not even care. He said at the point where he could, and he got to a point he was so loud that he couldn't hear the Lord again. He was struggling to keep up. So at that point, he got very angry. He said, "Get out of here in Jesus' name!" And the demon vanished. And then he said, "Excuse me, sir. Both of us saw this demon. Why didn't you?" And the Lord told him that everything I'm going to do about the devil, I have done. So you see when he said, oh, "Oh Lord, did rebuke the devil for me?" And God said, "Is your own mouth paining you?" Because the authority, the Lord said, "I've given you authority," and then you are not saying, "God rebuke," but you have the authority. So God, you God doesn't need your permission. You don't need to ask God to rebuke the devil. But there are now certain scenarios where you need to speak to God before you engage in it. For example raising the dead it is not always god's will that somebody it is when people die before their time that's not god's will but there are times where it is god's will for that person to go now it was god's will for ezekiah to die when he when he fell sick and was about to die unfortunately ezekiah came forth with strong reasons and because god and one and his winning meant that his generation ended up in captivity. But the will of God was to take you at that. There are times where there are people that die, and God say, and you might be emotional and say, wake up in Jesus' name, wake up in Jesus' name. And God is like, uncle, you better get up and go. This one is not coming back. I remember a story of somebody like that that died and they called dad and said dad should come and pray and then he started prayer started prayer started praise and the lord said you are wasting your time when that person was alive there was nothing you said that the person listened why do you now think their spirit will listen to you now the person did not listen when the person was alive so the person's spirit has been trained to not listen to your voice. So leave the person alone and go and eat. So yeah. So he stopped and said, you better go and bury this one because it's not coming back. Yet, on another occasion, people were in the bus. Somebody died. And the church member was there. And all the church members said, ah, Allah, Allah, no deal, and all of that. And the dead person woke up. Different scenarios. In both cases, somebody died. In one way, in one, the person woke up. In the other, the Lord said, don't waste your time. Sometimes you, so so in that scenario, you might have to ask God, God, do you, is it your will that this person comes home now? Sometimes you need to say, God, did you do this or is this Satan? Because it's not everybody that dies that devil killed. There are people that died that it was God himself that took them home. The Bible, God says, I'm the God who kills and makes alive. So you cannot say that God doesn't kill people. God, yes, God did not say he doesn't kill people. He says in righteousness he makes war. Have you seen war without casualties before? If a soldier goes to war and shoots somebody, do you charge him for murder? If a soldier is supposed to go to war and fight and runs away from war, what do you think? What do they do to that person? He'll be in trouble with his bosses. You went to war. You are supposed to fight, and then you run away like a chicken. Hallelujah. 
So we have to stop looking at prayer in the traditional sense of, oh, I just want to, I'm just talking to God. No, no, no. Prayer involves a lot. Prayer involves declaring, involves asking. It is basically communicating with the Spirit of God so that the things of the Spirit is like... It's like you know your when you are when you want to drink tea, you want to drink your Lipton tea. You you so you boil your water, put it in your mug, and then you grab the tea bag and put it in. So it's like an infusion. So as you put your tea bag in, things start to come from your tea bag into the rest of it. Many times when we pray, we are like that water in a teacup. What you are asking is for the infusion of the spirit into your vessel and you realize that the longer you the way to make your tea your tea maybe thicker or double strength or whatever sometimes you put two tea bags or sometimes you leave the tea bag there for longer than maybe 15 minutes maybe one hour if you want the long basically the longer that cup of tea stays in contact with that tea bag is the strength of that tea so the longer a child of God stays in co- in contact with the Holy Ghost, that determines your strength in spiritual things. You are as strong as the time you spend in communion with the Lord. Write it down. You are only as strong as the time you spend in communion with the Lord. So if you want to be someone that is able to really, really help people, you will spend more time with God than with those people. You will spend more time with God so that the kind of solutions you can bring will be faster than if you are just sitting there pitying the people. What is the use of pity? People already have enough people that can pity them. So as a child of God, what people do, they, people don't need your pity. People need the solution that you can bring by the Spirit of God. So don't waste your time pitying people. Go and spend time with the one that can energize you to be able to help them. Hallelujah. So prayer is communication. And, and let me give you an illustration that the Lord gave me. This is and what I'm trying to do is to, that God will help us to see prayer differently. Prayer is communication. Let me give the example of your interactions between you and your spouse. How many husbands and wives have serious conversations? All of us do. Sometimes when you have to have when you need to have serious conversations, what do you do? Everybody sits down, isn't it? How many of us have received that text before? We need to talk. (laughs) How many of you start panicking when you hear that? You're like, oh boy, what have I done this time? (laughs) We need to talk. (laughs) Nobody likes that message. So so you understand. So you most times if somebody said it to you and you're at work. How many of you can wait until the end of work before you call? How many of you are brave enough to wait until the end of work? You quickly skip outside to go and say, should I come home or should I stay outside? <laughs> should I just sleep by the door or should I enter? Is it safe to enter the house or sleep by the door? You understand? So, 
come so and then maybe when you now want to have that conversation you sit down your spouse sits down and you start to iron things out you shout you cry you you calm down and maybe somebody at the end of the day somebody says i love you the other person says you are the one that know <laughs> jesus loves you too or you or somebody says i love you i say same to you <laughs> you know that that matter is not totally finished <laughs> but the point is you sit down and have that conversation right but is that how you have conversations every day is is that a daily thing if it's a daily thing we need to put, come out here let us pray for you so it's not a daily thing but but you have serious conversations like that that is also how our relationship should be with the holy ghost and with prayer but many times maybe sometimes maybe something maybe you actually need to make plans maybe like 2023 is coming and you like oh babe we need to sit down and make plans okay this is how much we have this is how much these are the things we need to do this is how we want to get there so you can you guys can sit at the dining and say okay you do this we'll do this we need to do that we need to maybe we'll do this in may maybe we'll do this in september you know you are you are not even fighting yourself you are just trashing out plants and all that you do that but then all those plans that you have trashed out like that when you are executing them when you are communicating during the executions is that how you also sit down to so many of the things you you agreed on when you are having your serious conversations when those things are playing out they are most likely going to play out in informal jovial settings so you, say, so you just send a text randomly and immediately like, oh by the way i that money we talked about i've sent it to that person you've done that and then you continue whatever the, the other person automatically understands because you already had that conversation a week except maybe you are if the forgetful type like me sometimes i've forgotten we had the arrangement and then lord have mercy on my soul you know that kind of thing but many times the things you 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 settle in seriousness they play out in informal settings that is how prayer is that is how communication is so there is the place for that serious holy ghost me and you alone kind of conversation but many times there is also now the the outflow of that should now be informal conversations so you have the time where I'm spending one hour with the Holy Ghost this morning. But then you what many of us do is that after we have spent that one hour, we treat the Holy Ghost like an idol. You bring him out of the cupboard and talk to him for one hour. And when you finish, you pack it and put it right back into the cupboard. See you tomorrow morning by 7 a.m. That is how mechanical children of God can get. And then 7 a.m., like clockwork, you wake up again, your alarm goes up by 6 a.m., ah, Holy Ghost, come out of the cupboard, let's talk. And then by 7, 6 to 7, 7 o'clock, you pack him again. Show him in the cupboard. See you tomorrow. And you can go like that, like that, like that, for a whole year. I wanted the Holy Ghost said to me that some of my children have been in my house for 20 years, but in reality, the whole relationship we have is two years worth. You can you can be like that, such that you you just keep 
you just keep you just you just keep doing the routine you just keep doing it mechanically you just keep doing it mechanically and you get nothing out of it that is not what god wants so that when you have done that okay god me and you six to seven but when you have done that you don't put him back in the cupboard you say okay let's go to the bathroom together you are you are talking you are talking as if one of the best ways to relate with God is to talk as if he's standing next to you because he is. One of the things I do personally is that when I'm, as a general rule, when I'm driving to work, I don't put anything on my on the other seats. Even if I have my laptop, I throw it in the back. If I have my, anything I have does not sit on, if, of course, if my wife is in the car, she sits next door because women in a sense play the role of the holy spirit the bible calls the holy ghost the helper and that's and when god was creating him he said i'll create a help meet for you so they are in a sense and if you if you if you're able to master your relationship with your wife with the woman there's a good you'll be able to a, to a good extent understand how to relate with the holy ghost it is it is when you are being mechanical that you sin and you say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Forgive me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are you the righteousness of God in Christ? Yes. But the way you will know that you are forgiven. Where how did you know you were born again? Because there was a witness in your spirit that you are born again. Is that not how you know? Say the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That was how that's the only way. The reason you know you are born again is because there is something in your spirit that tells you you are saved. And regardless of what I, I mean, I make mistakes, so but I'm saved. It is that same thing that should tell you when you are forgiven or not. When the Holy Ghost is happy with you, that is it is from that place that you will know that is happy it is from that place that you will know that he is not happy so if you say i'm the righteous you do something that grieves the holy ghost and you say, i'm the righteous god in christ you are not being honest because deep down inside you you will know when you have appeased the spirit that lives within you the holy ghost will let you know when god is happy it is it is on the surface that you the, the, it doesn't mean that scripture is not true because the reason you can still say sorry and they will hear you is because you are the righteousness of God. But it is not, you don't just. How many of you have offended your wives or husbands before? Nobody. Oh, okay. So you've, you've all offended. In, in many things, we offend all, isn't it? <laughs> and how many of you, you know, you can tell when the person. When the person has you've done something and you just be like, maybe no, and the person is sorry, and the person just says, okay, it's fine, and they forget about it. You you know you can tell when you say sorry and the person forgets about it, and then when you or when you say sorry and you know they are they are forgiven you because they love you, but that person is still in pain. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it is your friend, or maybe it is you they've done it to. You know that by virtue of your relationship with that person and the love you have for the person and the way your life needs to proceed, your only option is to forgive that person. So you know that eventually, eventually, you will forgive, nani, but it still doesn't mean you are not in pain. So when the person says, please, for, there's nothing, apart from please forgive me, what else is there to say?
realistically speaking. Even, even if I say, please forgive me, I will change. The proof that I have changed is not that moment, is it? You will have to wait until something similar happens later and I behave differently for you to conclude I have changed. So whatever I say to you now, you have no proof. You just have to accept. So you will say, okay, you have apologized. I forgive you. But sometimes for a, a few hours, you, you, even if the person is trying to cheer you up, Abby, even if the person is trying to cheer you up, you want to respond, but somehow you're, it's almost like your body has shut down. So you are just like, I've heard. You know, you, you can tell that the person is trying, but you're just like, don't worry, just give me, <laughs> give me some time. There's a place you get with the, with the Holy Ghost that is like that. That you know. You can, you can, be, you, 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 you can be saying sorry for the next 15 minutes. You can be saying sorry for the next two hours. Because you know that there's a plane that you, you know there's a plane of relationship you are with him. And you know when you fell off. And you know when you are restored. It is there, regardless of anything we say, it is in our spirit that we know what the Holy Ghost thinks and feels and everything. Lord bless us in Jesus' name. So you, you you when we have those serious conversations with God, don't forget the informal ones too. The one where you Holy Ghost, what are we wearing today? Holy Ghost, should I wear this thing today? You just keep speaking as if is next to you. So like I was saying about my car, I, I'm driving to work. I don't put anything on that car and I'm like, Holy Ghost, I know you are sitting there, so let's have a conversation. You 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 just <laughs> you know what what day the day will have the day will physic many times when you are talking to the Holy Ghost like that, he answers you because maybe there's a thing something you are telling you about the solution comes into your spirit. What to do comes into your spirit, the wisdom comes in, that is him answering you. But the day will come that he will also answer you in a way he has never spoken to you before, and you'll be shocked. <laughs> Somebody said he he you know, I think you know, dad was saying that it was him and mom in the house one day and he just realized that somebody was just opening the door and closing it, opening the door and closing it, opening the door and closing it. And mom was like, is there anybody? And dad started laughing. That it's, it's the angels letting you know they are in the building. All those, all your, as your spiritual senses heighten, you will start to see things. You will start to notice things that ordinarily you would. You start to hear things. Sometimes you will hear your name called. And you will think it's your husband calling you. But it's actually the Holy Ghost letting you know, I know your name, son. I am with you. I know your name. I am with you. Or all those experiences will come where you consciously say, Holy Ghost, let us be friends. So praying is not until you get on your knees alone. There, are, uh, there is the place for getting on your knees. But praying is constant. The way you speak to your husband and wife every day as, as you can. Even if you both of you went to bed upset yesterday. And you wake up, somebody says good morning. You know, you too, good morning. <laughs> you know that kind of... It doesn't matter how upset you are with the guy, you... You are you are you planning to replace him? So 
you brought your best interest. Help help each other's ministry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I, I read uh, the story of a pastor and, and they said, how often does he pray? He said he doesn't pray more than 15 minutes at a time. But he, do, he cannot go 15 minutes without praying. You understand that? He doesn't pray for more than 15 minutes at a time. But 15 minutes cannot pass and he's not talking to God. So he's, he's, he's counseling hundreds of people per day. Yet in his heart, he's the Holy Ghost, what are we, what are you saying? This person, this one they are saying that, you know, when, <laughs> such that the answer to that person's problem, the Holy Ghost is telling you. Somebody went to visit that one day and was telling him things and dad was looking at him and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the person didn't quickly clock that dad wasn't by what he was saying what was happening was that the person was saying their own the holy ghost was saying that's not what happened this is what happened so dad is saying mm-hmm. ah, interesting mm-hmm. so when the person finished he now said okay now let me tell you my own version of the event and then he started he said, how did you know how did you know how would you not know how would you not this is something i have learned because you know, I have different examples. My dad, mom, I've watched them over the years, the way they pray. You are more likely to catch mom doing long stretches of prayer. So she will say, don't disturb me. Oh. You don't disturb me. She might be gone for the next four hours just doing her own thing in the corner. But then you have dad on the other hand that by nine o'clock you say, is nobody looking for me? Because he's ready to pop out of the house. He's, because that's the, his person. He, he, if you want to punish him, you just tie him down and say, you can't go out. <laughs> Sometimes he just goes to the office because he just cannot stay. But then I, was, I think I was asking what he like, okay, so how does this... And then I realized that it's, it's more like constant communication. Constant. Co- I don't know anybody there that hears God as well as he does. Because it is constant, they are constantly talking. So it's you that you think, oh, this man didn't bend his head for four hours to pray. Did you remember that the man has been praying since five years ago and he has not finished? You understand? So you can adopt. I know because this is a busy environment that if you say, God, okay, three hours every day. How many of you can find three hours every day to pray? the way your life is right now. But then you don't need that. You don't necessarily need that when you cannot, when it, it's not like God, you put him in your house when you are going out. He's right there. He's right there. So you can always constantly just say, I do it sometimes. I take five minutes bathroom break, go run to the toilet bathroom for five minutes, sit down there. I quickly talk to God for five minutes and walk, walk away. Sometimes at work, I swap my lunch for prayers. So I say, okay, I have 30 minutes lunch break. Okay, I'm not going to go and have lunch. Or I go to the uh, um, whatever. Instead of maybe buying a proper meal and sitting down and eating and gisting with everybody on the table, I can buy a drink and snacks, take it to my table, drop it there, and then go and find a quiet place and go and spend the rest of that time talking to God. You can't. 
how you how you show God that you are really interested is not when you are banging your head every day. It is that the little consistent things you do. Let me ask you a question. Um, all of you that are married here, yeah, when you started dating and the fire was strong and all that, how often did you text your other person every day? Eh? Till now. How many of you go? How many of you here go five hours without texting, without either texting or receiving a text from the other person? Let me see your hand so I can know the men to deal with in this place. You understand? So it, it's still possible, even if it's just babe, what's up? Or are you okay? Even if it's just one text, you you somebody, even if, if you are not the one that checks in, somebody will check in. Someone somewhere will share said it. Like, ah, what is this? This organ that has not me- messaged me since morning. Why have you not texted me? You know, the ladies in the house be like, Why have you not messaged me? Ah, I'm sorry, babes, I was busy. Uh, so you found something more important than me. <laughs> yes, although she's giving you that grief, but you know, matter is the point is she's establishing communication because maybe you got you've been away for I don't know 15 seconds or something like that. <laughs> you know, but that's that's how we are supposed to relate with God. God is not don't think of God as one taskmaster. God wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to him. You should never forget that. God is more interested in talking to you than you are interested in talking to him. He gave you Jesus. And then he packed you. He gave you the entire Holy Ghost as a seal. And then at the end of the day, we say God is God's tabernacle is going to be, he is going to pack his bags in heaven and come and chill with you. That is how much God is interested in speaking to us. So you two make it a point and a principle that you will say, okay, even if it's two minutes, even if it's all Lord goes, I'm just I'm just checking in to say I love you and I appreciate you. Sometimes it is, oh, thank you for my job. You can be doing the job and say, Lord, this is not the best job I want, but this one you have given me. Thank you. That's it. You have prayed, you have spoken, you have communicated with the Holy Ghost. Don't say, when I get home, I'm going to pick faster and pray and say, Lord, fire, this job must change. Sorry, it won't change. You will suffer. So the greatest sign of spiritual health (coughs) is the amount of chatter of traffic that goes between you and God. The amount of traffic, the amount of back and forth that goes between you and God is actually the greatest measure of spiritual health. How open, how free is is the highway of your soul to anything that God wants to say? How open are you to receive what he wants to say? How free is your spirit to receive and obey instructions from God? That back and forth is a great sign of spiritual health. If you look at John eleven forty one, where Jesus was going to raise Lazarus, he said, Lord, I thank you because, some versions say, Lord, I thank you because you have heard me. Insinuating that the Lord has already spoken to the Father about Lazarus' situation before Jesus got there. 
Some versions will say, Lord, uh, maybe another version says, Oh, I thank you because you always hear me. Which means, okay, um, there is consistent communication such that Jesus knows that the Father heard him. And there is response from the Father that says, I have heard you. So it's not enough that you are also talking. You should also put yourself in a place to receive feedback. That's why I was saying earlier that many times children of God pray. And the, the, the feedback you are looking for is that what you are praying about happens. God give me a car. God give me a car. And the way you think... Because one of the teachings I did early in this church was, was the fact that do you even recognize what answered prayer looks like? When, did, when does God answer your prayer? Is it when the thing you are praying for physically turns up in your garage or actually when there is a, an evidence and a witness in your spirit that he has heard you? Many times, children of God are not looking for that evidence in their spirit. They are waiting for the car they prayed about to turn up. What happens is that after God has said, I will give you, you are still whining. You understand? Because you didn't notice, you didn't take cognizance of the response to your soul that assures you that God has heard me. You will continue to pray about something that has already answered. So you, at that point, you are not praying anymore. You are what? You are whining and you are almost complaining because you didn't know that he has answered. That is why it is critical to always look for the feedback. You know, you, 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 you pray, you pray, you pray, and then the day the assurance comes, that's it. From that point where the assurance comes, you don't stop, you stop asking, you start thanking God for what he has done. You switch from asking to thanksgiving. Oh, I thank you because you have heard me, and I thank you because you have done it, and I thank you because the time that you said it. it that's one of the prayers, you know, I, I gave us a prayer. That prayer that I, I think I put in the group that we will not miss our Kairos moments. And the reason, one of the reasons for that prayer is the fact that many of us, there are things that God, you are, you, you, you know that God has said you will do. Can I have a tissue or something, please? That there are things that you know that God will already do. Maybe you had a vision about it. You've had a dream about it. At that point, you do not need to be praying. At that point, you do not need to be saying, Lord, give me this. Lord, especially when God has shown you that he has given you, what you need to now start doing at that point is to be, number one, thanking him for it, and number two, praying that you do not miss your day of visitation. Because the, there, there is a part, what, when God has answered you, one of the things God does is that he fixes an appointment for the manifestation of that thing. So it is up to you to now be available the day God now says, December 15 is the day I'm giving my child that gift. And that day, you decide, you know what, I'm going to switch off my phone. Whereas, somebody is supposed to call you to say, oh, I've been looking for you for the past six months. And the day that person will call you is the day you feel, what is the use of this phone? Put it off. I want some quiet. Or the day your deliverance will come is the day the Holy Ghost will say, my dear, put your phone on silent, come and spend some time with me. 
and then you don't put it on silent and then you go and pray but you don't put it on silent and then somebody interrupts your prayer with a phone call a phone call that if you have missed it they would have gone to solve their problem elsewhere you know that sometimes we act like mini saviors you think if i don't do it for that person the person will die my friend it is a lie one of the wisdoms that that god gives servants of god is to know that look if you kill yourself moses that died troubleshooting the israelites did they get to the promised land or not did he get to the promised land or not so you must know that number one i i say something and sometimes i know it looks like it's harsh but it's true i didn't die for you I didn't die for you 2,000 years ago. Somebody died for all of us put together. So you must know <laughs> where your own. And we must know where our things intersect. How I can help you. How you can help me. And all these things. But then we must know that. the, the ma- That's also why it, we also have to be careful as ministers. What we say about God's people. Because if you say nonsense about God's people. God can call you and say, did I... I didn't call my children what you called them. What is wrong with you? Part of the problems that Moses got into. You stiff-necked people. You know that proverb that says, um, how did they put it? Oh, okay. That you can call, you can, exactly. So you can call, you know some people say that in English, it's almost like um, people can call their own children stupid. But if you call their child stupid, you will hear about it. You understand? So they can say things to their own child, but if you say the same thing to that child, you would have a problem. Or you know, people can call their husbands funny names or wives funny names. But when you use that name, they'll be like, What is your own in this matter? So if God calls his own people stiff naked people, that is let God call them, but you don't get to call them that. You didn't die for them. So we have to be to be to be careful. Lord, we help us in Jesus' name. So the Lord said in that John eleven forty one, He says, He said, Lord, I thank you because you always hear me. So that is pointing to the fact that there's consistent dialogue between them. They kept talking, they kept talking, they kept talking. And like I said, two way communication is how you grow. Let me let me let me explain it this way. If if you are talking to God about someone and God talks to you back, then you make a note of how God responded that day. So that the next time you are talking to God, you are looking at that channel. That, oh, the last time I was praying like this, God answered with a dream. What that does is that you start to take your dreams more seriously. Or you had ended up with a vision. Or, the, or a word of knowledge came, or, or a prophecy came, or a scripture popped into you. Many times it is scriptures that first pop into you, or a scripture pops into your heart, which is the answer to what you are looking for. Or you, you, or a scripture pops into your heart, and then you meet somebody, and then the person, that person quotes that same scripture, which is confirmation of what came into your own heart. That is how we grow. So we, are, we start to take note of, okay, it looks like God speaks to me, uh scriptures check uh peace or lack of peace check dreams check visions check you understand 
So you number one, you start to take note of those channels. Number two, you start to try to keep those channels clean. If you know that God speaks to you a lot through dreams, then one of the things you should not do is be watching horror movies. Because those things then open that channel to corruption. You understand? So when God speaks to you a certain way, then there are practices you as a person must engage in to keep that channel pure. That's one of the reasons. But that's why we guard our thoughts. Because many times, the Holy Ghost also injects his own speaking into your thoughts. So sometimes you get the, the way that you can be thinking of crazy things. And many times it's not you thinking it. It is demons that are suggesting those things to you. Many of the crazy things we think about, they are not... Uh, you, they, it, because they come through the stream of your thought. You think you are the one doing that analysis. But if God opens that, you will see a demon maybe perched on your shoulder doing the calculations and saying it out loud. So that analysis in your head is not you. Many times when people... When you see people think terminally, like, ah, oh, nobody loves me, nobody cares. Although nobody loves you, nobody cares, your life, it doesn't amount to anything, go and kill yourself. When you hear those things, it is not that person thinking the thoughts. It is the spirit of suicide that has come to patch near that person that is saying those things. Make it, because as long as that person is saying it, that that person starts to process it, the person sinks deeper and deeper and deeper. Likewise, when the Holy Ghost comes also, it's a thought. Sometimes it's a thought that, ah, why don't you do this? And you're like, ah, why didn't I think about that before? You couldn't have thought about it before because that thought, even the one you now thought of did not come from you. But now it is now up to you to now keep your thoughts pure. Because if you keep engaging in pure thoughts, then you corrupt the flow of your thoughts. If you, you think the demonic things, then you should immediately rebuke it. Many times, you the way you will know that a thought is not from God, you rebuke that thought and see if it stays. It will stay. That's how you will know that it wasn't you and it wasn't God. You understand? So then when now you start to make changes that allow you to keep the channel of communication alive and pure. And I have to say as I close now that the, the greatest at one of the greatest attacks of the devil against the child of God is the battle for your time. I've explained to us that time doesn't necessarily mean a block of time, like 6 to 7 or, or 10 to 11. It means that throughout the day, what one of the things Satan does is that he tries to flood our minds, flood our days with so much busyness of physical business and even mental business such that you are overwhelmed and you can't actually make any time for God. How many people have gone two days and the thought of God didn't cross your mind? How many people have, has, has it happened to before that? Maybe something happened and you were running around up and down that it didn't occur to you to pray. It's not happened to you before. All of you are saints. Wonderful. Sometimes it might be a day that by the time you caught the train, you caught the first train, you caught the second one, you, got the, you just walked into the job on autopilot. 
you are, you don't even you the reason you are doing it and you are not making mistakes is because you have done it hundreds of times. Your physical body can do it without you even thinking about it. And then when you finish, you pack your bag. You are basically like a zombie. You get up, you eat, you fall down, you pass out. And then next morning, same. Next morning, same. If you are not careful, two weeks, you will say, God, good morning. But anything that steals your life, your time, is stealing your life, because that is your sustenance. So you, you, you. It is up to you to, to make sure that the systems or the stresses that you are going through now, which are not going to be permanent, because what you, you, you have to make sure that those stresses don't define your relationship with God. God, you know my frame. You know that I can't even find two hours now. I can't even, even if I want, you know, you know, you know, if you are sitting in your house, you could find maybe one hour or two to say, Lord, it's just me and you. If, even if all you do is say, have a playlist of worship music, and you just say, Lord, for the next one hour, I'm just going to sing along to all these songs to you. It's not every time you go to God's making demands. It's not even every time you go to God speaking in tongues. At the highest level of fellowship with God, you are not even you are at the highest level of communication with God, you are not the one speaking. You understand? When at that high level of communication with God, you you keep quiet and it is God that is talking. So, yes, there is time where you pray your understanding, there is time where you pray the Holy Ghost to the Lord, but there is time where you keep quiet and you let God talk. So when all of but but, but you, you have to we have as a people to learn how to even regardless of, of it, you can you you some of these things you have to actually set reminders on your phone. You can do it. You can set an alarm. Five alarms per day. Where when that alarm vibrates, you don't need to do the only thing you need to do is say thank you. And continue whatever you are doing. You understand? You, you are not, it's, not, it's not that when the alarm goes, you say, oh, I need to go and run. Sometimes you might not even have that chance. But such that you know that when that alarm goes, all that alarm is reminding you to do is to say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, thank you for my life. Lord, thank you for my wife. Lord, thank you for my children. Lord, thank you for my job. Lord, thank you for my parents. Lord, you just say it inside and you continue whatever you are doing. When the next alarm hits, you say it again. Lord, I thank you because you are good. Thank you because you are wonderful. You will be surprised. You'll be surprised that some of the things you'll be banging your head praying for, they will happen even when you no longer mention them to God. But don't let the devil take over your time. Because what will happen is that in the future, we will get to that point where the demand there will not be demands for the result of the fruit of our hands and what would happen is that if we do not go to okay when is orange season Let, i don't know where it is let's just pretend <laughs> orange season is december it means that let's say it's the, let's say any fruit let's say the orange the season for that fruit is december what that means is that in december all of us are expecting to go to the shop and be able to purchase that thing. Yes or no? Let's even use Christmas. Christmas is two weeks time, right? It means that all, this, all those Christmas trees and all that, it means that 
around this time now, everybody's expecting to be able to walk into a shop and buy a Christmas tree, yes or no? What if the people planting Christmas trees didn't plant it? Because now it's time for manifestation of Christmas tree. But if the Christmas tree was not planted, if the Christmas tree was planted last month, will you have Christmas tree this month? That is, that, see, that is what the devil tries to do. Such that he truncates the process. Something that God has said, okay, if my child is consistent like this, in about six months, this is the manifestation that should come out of that child. So Satan says, don't start six months. Let's, let's help you break it so that you will now start doing it in two months. It, by the time that six months clocks, you have only put in two months worth of what you should have put in. Are you going to get the result? God is merciful, but God does not skip school for people. So God, God would not take. God would. You ask for God will forgive you. Okay, David and Goliath. If David did not learn to use the sling and all of that, if he started, if he, if 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 he was at that point, if he didn't know how to use the sling, would he have been able to stand before the king and say, "I'm going after this guy with a sling and five stones"? The king would not even let him. So that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to kill the process with this so that on the day where you are supposed to show the result of that process, you are believing God to, to have a child in nine months. And you have said, uh, as, a, as an act of faith, you came out here and said, this is December. By next year, September, I am going to have a baby. And all of us say, Amen. And you get up. I say, my husband, I've been thinking. We need to spend more time with the Lord. Move to that room. I'll stay in this room. Shabby, the baby will jump on you, isn't it? The baby will jump on you. Nah? There was a couple like that that they were doing counseling for. And, and, and they'd be praying, expecting baby or nothing. And so the pastor called them and said, what is going on here, people? And the pastor says, so how many times per week? And they were like, wait, what? Pastor, you know, pastor, you, your job is difficult. There are things you, you, it is difficult to be asking people. So the pastor has summed up all the courage to say, how many times per week? And, 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 and when the pastor finally explained what he meant, ah, no. We have been doing fasting and prayer. They legit were doing fasting and prayer. And the man is like, God, are you not hearing me? Why is this woman not pregnant? We have been fasting, we have been praying. You know what they say? They say, you want to win the lottery, my friend. You have to start by buying a ticket. Hallelujah. So take your feedback seriously. Make it a point that when you pray, you look forward to feedback. You look forward to a response from God. You look forward to speaking to him. It is in those places. For example, a scripture comes, direct instruction comes, peace comes, or a lack of peace and all of these things. It is in, in, that, in that back and forth is where you grow, is where strength is. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name.